More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Thank you for listening. This is The Best Of with Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. We've got Clay in New York City and a very special guest who has joined in the mix here. Clay, do we have his mic set up, though? I think question. it's on. I mean, he's I, used to talking to a mic. Do we I have it know. turned on? we got to ask Mike Mamone. Mike Mamone, <laughs> is my, mic my mic is on. The great Mike Mamone. Uh, it, what an honor to be in the Clay and, and Buck studio, which, by the way, is adjacent to my studio when I'm in New York City doing these big audience shows, which are fun. I'm on tonight You're with on you. You're on tonight? Yes, yeah. fun. We love it. we got to get Buck in the mix. we got to have you on as well. How are you, my friend? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm down on TV, here right now. By the way? Uh, well, we've got video. I think the back of your head is going to be on the video right here. You can I've, wave to people there. Yeah, back of my head looks better you know, <laughs> for anybody watching. I was going to say, it's funny because I was like, so do we introduce Sean Hannity to everybody or just accept that everybody listening knows his voice so we know that it's Sean? So I don't, we, we got, I don't we know got about Sean that. with us. Um, by the way, congrats to both of you. You... Um, uh, have been kicking ass in radio. Very happy for both of you. Um, and it's a tough business. I've been, believe it or not, my radio career started before Clay was born, Buck. Uh, in 1987 was the first I time was, I, ever I was got born. Behind. Buck was barely here. I mean, where, where yeah. was your first, first show of all, Sean, Clay, Clay was born. Clay was riding a horse to school. Clay's been around a <laughs> long right? time. I've been 1979. riding a horse. Uh, no, I, I started at a, at a university station in California. They rightly fired me in 40 hours. I had a one hour a week show it was awful. Like every other show on a college station. Um, but I, the minute that light went on, that just changed my life. Now, interestingly, didn't know what I was doing when I was growing up, but I, I just had the radio on all the time. I was listening to the great pioneers of talk radio in New York, and when I lived in Rhode Island five years, I listened to Gene Burns and, and Jerry Williams and David Brudnoy in New York. It was Barry Farber, Barry Gray. Later on came, uh, hey, uh, let's be heard, uh, Bob Grant. Get off my phone, you scumbag. <laughs> um, you know, very acerbic New York talk radio. And uh, and then I got hired in, in Huntsville, Alabama. I had a thick New York accent. And you'll get a kick out of this from a story. 
So, uh, you know, I'm I'm Sean from New York. I I, I didn't f- college football is not as you know a religion in New York like it is the rest of the country. Sean, I don't even know what Clay was talking about when he showed up here talking about the SEC. I was like, don't they <laughs> yeah, investigate exactly. you for taxes? Well, I know now because both of my kids were Division One athletes. And um, but but the funny thing is, so I go to Alabama. and It's like I had no idea about Roll Tide and and War Eagle and. Um, Sean, how you doing, man? Welcome to Huntsville. Man, you talk funny. I'm like, what do you mean I talk funny? I'm from New York. You, you talk funny. What is, I'm here. I'm drinking coffee, doing talk radio. Um, I had a thick, thick New York accent at the time. Didn't even know it. That's the weird thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, because you, you think don't whatever you're from is like what people it's sound normal. like, right? Yeah, Right. And um, I learned that I'm a Southerner at heart, for sure. Cause <laughs> I, I cannot stand New York. I hate it. In, I can't even. The words don't even come to me. Um, guy says, roll tight. I said, what's that? And then I, I literally became a star because of being that stupid. You know, the guy with the new, when I left town, they had an article in the paper. Goodbye to the talk show host from hell. I should have had a con- and I left it. I went to Atlanta for years. What did they pay you? And, uh, do you remember your salary? In sure. Huntsville? I remember $19,000 a year. But this is always what we By talk way, about. I think you everybody. guys are on that station, WVNN in Huntsville. This is what we always talk to people in media. What was your first salary? My first media salary? Yes. It was less than what I was making at the CIA. Yeah. Wow. You yeah. Wait, you weren't making real money at the CIA? Well, not, I mean, when you say real money, you're paying the government, uh, you know, you're making like. Well, wait a minute. I salary. gave my figure 19 grand. What, would, what were you being paid? At the CIA, my first. No, 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 uh, not was, at the CIA. Your first, what did you, you asked the first job, right? Yeah, the Blaze. Uh, what did the Blaze pay you? Uh, uh, we <laughs> I don't want to know Zach Glenn Beck here. <laughs> I could say it was less. It was less than six figures. I'll tell you that. It so was less I, than six figures. So for you, Buck, when I started writing online, I got paid a hundred dollars a week. I wrote three columns a week. I got paid a hunt five thousand dollars a year. I, I do have a fun one for you. I, I remember the first thing that I think I ever published and got paid for was it was back in the day. So I could I don't want to start booing, but it was National Review. And I published an article in National Review. I'll never forget. And I got a check in the mail from National Review. And I had, like, no money at all. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I didn't even know it was $25. <laughs> I got a check for $25. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's not, the, it's not the business that people think it is, especially when you're, when you're starting out. The, uh, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't, I, for me, I didn't care. I, w- I got behind that microphone. Now, as I'm driving cross-country, I'm not sure I could do a two-hour, three-hour radio show. I'd never done one. Yeah. I did a one-hour-a-week show. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm walking into the lines that I had a great guy, that be- two great people that believed in me, the owner of the station. I'm still friends with him. His name is Bill Donovan and, and just a great guy. And Dave Stone, unfortunately, a guy passed away. You'd love his life story. He was the former announcer for the Harlem Globetrotters. Oh, wow. And I did re- he, had, he just had a set of pipes. You just, man, why can't I have that voice, right? And um, anyway, he was very, very pivotal in my career, <clears throat> encouraged me the entire way. Um, two great years, got an opportunity to audition. They granted me the opportunity. I said, you know, what should I do? And they said, no, you got to go. That was the answer that yeah. the owner of the station gave me. Auditioned for two days in Atlanta, competed against Neil Bortz, which was the best thing that ever happened to me because he was great on the radio. He's a genius. And um, and we had radio wars like we'd never had before. Left there to go to Fox in '96. When I left the Atlanta Journal Constitution, I, I got a complex over this uh, year-end edition. 1996, a great year. 
The Olympics came, Sean Hannity left. <laughs> I mean, I'm beginning to think that people don't like me. I'm glad, I'm glad Clay and, and Buck do. Sean, Buck and I talked a lot about your interview with Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Why do you think he did it? Well, I think he trusted me enough when I said I'd give him space. I'd give him an opportunity to answer. And I've known him long enough to to have that relationship with him. I said, look, I'm giving you my word. I'm a man of honor. I said, I, I don't I, I, we can get on there and just speak over each other. and Nobody's going to gain anything from that. I said, you and I disagree passionately on issues. And and I think it would be good for the country to see. I actually personally like him. He's nuts politically like the guy. Very personable. I mean, he said you and Clay agree on this one. Sean. I, I, so I watched the interview and I said, I disagree we, with him on so much. But I think central, he's a very likable guy. Central casting politician. Remember when he walked yeah. into the Oval yeah. and took that jacket and flung it around? I'm like, man, he's he's, he's Buck makes fun of me. Buck, but I'm telling on, you, Buck, why? It's all right. No, because because I just know that any day now I'm going to see Clay and Gavin drinking some Chardonnay <laughs> up in Napa <laughs> talking about how they're going to fix the country. But, you know, Sean, there's there's like a broader well, Napa thing. Napa wine too. is good wine. He owns a, a, a winery, I believe. Of course he does. Oh, I'm sure. Look, you want you know wine with Gavin and stock tips with Nancy. There's a lot of good <laughs> stuff to do up in California. Oh. But you know, Sean, you know, I remember and 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 I know uh, uh, your former co-host Alan, you know, passed away some years ago. Rest in peace. I remember the days when there was more debate. Like I remember the Hannity and Combs days. I remember the Crossfire days. I feel like now our industry has turned into. Uh, basically, the libs don't ever want to debate anymore. Like uh, these people at MSNBC, CNN, name and network, they n- name a podcaster, a big liberal podcaster. They want. I mean, are you seeing a change in that? Like because of Gavin Newsom came on your show, do you think there people just are tired of of the preaching to the choir from the left thing all the time? Because I think debate would be great. Because I think we would win. Uh, anytime you put conservatism up against liberalism, it wins. And and I felt I, I wanted to be creative and, and come up with a way when I was interviewing him to make my points, but not have it be, you know, a long question or argumentative or disagreeing on facts. So I came in with a pile of of graphs and I said, all right, here are the number of people leaving your state and here are the number of people migrating to Florida every single week, including Buck Sexton. Right. Exactly. Very smart, Buck. You have more more sense than anybody. And or this is the number of homeless po- uh, population. This is the list of bi- businesses who are moving their headquarters out of your state. You know, this is the th- th- these are the crime statistics. And and this is the cost for Medi-Cal with with the illegal immigration. So I, I try to do it that way. And I give the audience a lot of credit that when they see that and he says, um, yeah, but 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 those companies still have employees here. They're all moving their corporate headquarters yeah. out but to save Sean, money. Can I, you know, I, I talked to Clay about this, and my theory on this is with Gavin Newsom, what you're seeing is whenever collectivists or you know socialists take over anything, especially if they take over something as rich and bountiful in all senses as California, they say, oh, it's not, you know, things are great. Look at these numbers. Well, he inherited Silicon Valley. He inherited Hollywood and the entertainment industry out there. But the decisions that he makes it reminds me of de Blasio in New York, right? De Blasio takes over for years. It's the city's great. There's so much investment. Well, it takes time to ruin things. And I feel like with Gavin Newsom, he keeps pointing to things that have always okay. been true of California. 
But the things that are his fault, he just pretends aren't happening. He owned a couple of things. He owned the homelessness problem. I play, played a tape of him in 2008 saying, this is my 10-year plan to you know, stop homelessness. Admitted he failed. The more, the more fun part of it for me was one, and, and I had a monitor next to us, and I played the cognitive mess Joe Biden that has no <laughs> clue that today is Thursday. And I said, okay, Joe Biden could not engage in the conversation we're having. You're telling me you think he is cognitively strong enough to be president. And, oh, yeah, I know he is. I don't believe he believes that. And I, I now I, I give a lot of credit for loyalty. I think yeah. he's being a loyal Democrat. OK, fair enough. Uh, however, he knows he's not there now. I think the odds and we discussed this the last time, Clay, you were on the TV show. The odds he's that Biden is not the Democratic presidential candidate as of now are high. Oh, my God. Ah, Buck disagrees. Sean, been- you're killing me. <laughs> <Not> you, <laughs> Uncle Bill, Bill O'Reilly yeah, and Clay Dave all agree on this thing. one. I'm doubling down. Uncle, on wait a minute. Biden. You call O'Reilly Uncle Bill? <laughs> really? I call him a simple man. Yeah, I'm a simple man. I'm just going to give a simple analysis. Uh, no, well, I'll tell you, but here's the buck. You, you, you're going to probably be proven right for this reason. The dates to, of filing to get. Yeah. On yeah. The ballots, we've talked about this. You know, they're they're fast approaching. So you you probably will be proven right. So I think Gavin's preparing. Look, and Sean, I think this is why we're we're seeing him do your show, for example, just because of the, the broad viewership and then also putting him in the national conversation. He knows 2028 is wide open no matter who wins 2024, right? doesn't matter because you're going to get, well, assuming it's either Trump or Biden, you're going to get a one-termer. And and I think that the other part of this is if you did have an open Democrat primary, it's going to be a lot of Democrats who get in the mix. So it's not as easy as Gavin gets the, the coronation if it weren't going to be Biden running. But um, do you think that, you know, we had, uh, I think it was Nikki Haley on recently, uh, Sean, and she said that a vote for Biden is really a vote for Kamala because, in her mind, there's no chance Biden's going to make it through term two, so it just turns into a Kamala presidency. You buy into that? I think there's just look at him. I mean, the guy can't stand up. What was even worse than the fall at the Air Force Academy is that watch when he tries to get up. Yeah. And he kind of started getting up and went right back down again. And then, obviously, people came to his rescue, appropriate that they did. Um, I think that's probably a good observation on on Nikki Haley's part, in my view. And I I think there is probably an undercurrent, a battle going on between Gavin and, and Kamala in, in that department. What I'd like to see, the one thing that did surprise me, they've had this Cold War, Ron DeSantis and, and Gavin Newsom, state to state, you know, which state is freer, which state has better policies, which state works for the people better which which state taxes more why is florida gaining population why is california gavin newsom is the first governor in the history of california yep. to ever lose population and he's losing it in mass so i would love that debate to me you think that that'll be- happen i saw the wall street Journal gave you credit for it on the editorial yeah. page and said that's a great idea buck do you think it'll happen sean do you think it'll happen it will. I don't know when. Right. I mean, Sean, I think at some point it's an inevitability. There'll be a Gavin Newsom DeSantis. But I don't know if it's now or if it's in prep for 28. I don't know. I think. Well, let's be honest here. A guy by the name of Donald Trump sucks all the oxygen out of the room in terms of politics. Yep. And with all this, these legal wranglings and probably more to come in, in Fulton County and, and Washington, D.C., that's a lot of oxygen. If he doesn't show up at that Fox August debate, it's not going to be as fun. And 
You think he will? You think he'll go to the Fox August night? No, I do not. uh, If you ask me today, no, I don't think he'll be there. Uh, they're even talking about the Florida trial on Fort Pierce now at that time. Sean, you're welcome to stay as I'll long as you want. You can, no, you I can stay go, for the I whole show. my show. Um, but because yeah. but, we got we, we to gotta, technically, they're yelling at me. We've got to get a break. Sean Hannity, everybody. Sean, thank you Allie so much. Allie is yelling. Mamone just gave me the finger. <laughs> but by the way, he's been doing that for, you know, 27 years since I've known Mike Mamone. But, All righty. Sean, well, thanks so much, man. Russia's we team. Talk thank about, you for hanging with us. Thank hey, you, Sean. Love you guys. Congrats on your success. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Clay, do we still have the Animal Thunderdome intro somewhere? Because I got a question for you. Do we do we have that one, team? Animal Thunderdome? Just taking a quick moment here on a Friday. If we do, let me know. Oh, oh hit, hit it for everybody. Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet and stricter stuck to my face. And you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. All right, so Clay, we mentioned this yesterday. This Florida man, 23 years old, he got his arm bitten off 
by a 10-foot alligator because he went to relieve himself at a pond while he was at a bar where the line was too long. He fell in the water. He was drunk. And we actually have some audio of the guy. Play it. I lose my life. Lost an arm. It's not the end of the world. So he's got a pretty good attitude about the situation that he just lost an arm to an alligator. And I, I put out this poll, and I was wondering what your answer would be. The worst way, now he's, he's fine, he lost, I mean, he lost an arm, but he's going to be okay. The worst way to, to if you were going to bite it, you know what I mean? If you were, gonna, if you were at the end, shark, crocodile, bear, lion, I put out the poll. Which one do you go with? All right, I'm going to give you my answer, but we've got to come back, and I've got to read you the quotes <laughs> oh from this guy. I know we played that one little short segment. So just so you guys know, I know it's Memorial Day weekend. A lot of you are going to be out at the beach, maybe a lot of you traveling around in Florida. This guy lost his arm because he said it was too crowded, Buck, the bathroom line. So he went and decided to pee by a lake. And when I play, when, when I read some of these quotes for you, when you come back, you, you're going to be like, this is not this. I'm reading from the New York Post. These quotes are unbelievable. And don't give us the answer yet, but I want him to think about this one. Worst way to go. Shark, crocodile, bear, lion. Clay will tell us, and we have poll results. Buck and I were texting this story back and forth because it was just so crazy. Um, this guy, this Florida guy. I want everybody to be careful out there, especially if you're going down to Florida for uh, the holidays here. Uh, this guy, Jordan Rivera said the line was too long at the bathroom, so he decided to go down by the uh, lake to go pee. And here's his quotes. These are real quotes. I just saw a little lake, so I was trying to go over there and take a little pee. Said he didn't realize how big the pond actually was. This is a quote. Something happened where I either tripped or the ground below me kind of just went down and I ended up in the water, and that's literally the last thing I remember. Okay, Buck, I don't know about you, but I'm going to bet that this guy was pretty drunk because when you say something happened where I either tripped or the ground below me kind of went down and I ended up in the water, it's bad enough to end up in the water. He ended up in the water with a 10-foot alligator that took his arm. Here's a quote. I looked over and I saw my arm the way it was, and I was like, whoa, it was the craziest thing. It was almost like out of a movie. Uh, and then we had the quote where he says, I didn't lose my life. He says, uh, they don't even serve food. He said he wanted, this is the other thing. He said there's gossip that he decided he was going to go hand feed an alligator. And he said he wants to dispel that rumor. They don't even serve food at the bar. Couldn't have even served the gator food. It's completely not true. And he said again, these guys saved his life. Another amazing quote. The first thing I would do is shake the man's hand, said Rivera, perhaps forgetting that he lost the arm, said it feels like it's kind of there. Anyway, um, Angel saved him. You they, they asked wrap, this question. Wrapped a tourniquet on him to stop the bleeding. A, I mean, a you veteran lose your arm. was there yeah, up, to a, try. A veteran, yeah, yeah that to, makes sense. To try to uh, to save this arm. All right. So I would say, of all the things that could happen when you leave and go outside, Buck. Full disclosure: Have you ever left a crowded bar 
because you couldn't get to the bathroom and gone outside to pee. I 100% plead the fifth on this matter. I, I will just, I will, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I will admit to it. I 100% have seen long lines in the bathroom before. Gone outside. This guy was just going to go pee in the pee in the lake. He says. Next thing you know, he's attacked by an alligator and loses his arm. That is the worst uh, result of the bar, the bar line being too uh, too long for the bathroom. So I gave you the option. Yes. If you're meeting your maker because shark, crocodile, bear, or lion attack. And I have data to back this up. I think I think it's crocodile. And I'll tell you, you why my answer. Worst. I think worst. crocodile would be the worst. But I know alligator, crocodile, this is an alligator. But, you know, it's, it's a large reptile that eats you. I'll tell you my theory on why it's the worst. Two analysis points. One um, in the water, I think not only would you be likely to be attacked by an alligator or crocodile, you would know that you were being it eaten, ripped to pieces, but I also think the likelihood is you probably would drown. So drowning is supposedly an awful yeah, they, way to go. They do the death roll. That's right. You, yes. So I think you combine getting killed by a live animal and also drowning, which sounds like the worst possible way to go other than like getting burned to death or something which I, I is will, awful i will tell you it was it was shocking to see there are this little poll little friday poll there are thousands of people that weighed in four thousand plus votes crocodile came in with the worst way to I go the in the animal kingdom at least of these options i wanted to throw hippopotamus on there because they're actually incredibly dangerous and i just feel like no one you know going by a hippo would be like getting eaten by a panda yeah. bear like we still think of them as cute even though they're actually quite dangerous but it was fascinating to read the analysis that uh, people came up with, Clay, in the comments. People went deep on the like various. All of a sudden, there's there must be a lot of EMS folks uh, that are following me on Twitter because they're talking about the difference in how. But everyone feels like lion, no big deal. Lions are apparently they're just like yeah, they grab you by the neck, you're out like a light, no problem. I think they would end you quickly. Yeah, they they say end quickly. Shark, you're talking massive blood loss trauma that probably also pretty fast, all things considered, although just being in the water, which you also have with the crocodile, very scary. Some of the folks that weighed in with the bear one, the bear one was actually way worse than I thought it would be because apparently bears, um, they kind of maul slowly. So anyway, people went very deep into the comments here. Crocodile was the winner of the worst, a bad way to go. What do you think happened to this guy? Do you think he was just, my theory would be he, he was out. super he, yeah. drunk. Super drunk, passed out, and then the alligator, because I don't believe the alligator was there. Like coming like out of the water. Yeah, after like, like I, I think he probably passed out at the water's edge, which is where alligators, they're ambush hunters, that's where they do it. And and then, you know, it was, you know, it just went for it. I don't know. I, I mean, that is... I mean, again, when he says, like, I was standing by the water, and I bet he started to have a little bit of the spins, maybe he had a lot of drinks, and then he just went in the water. He's like he didn't drown. I, you know, I asked Carrie this question recently, and as a as a transplanted uh, New Yorker, it's just, I feel like people that live in these areas would never think about this. So the, the, the habitat of the American alligator goes up into, it's obviously Florida's, like, you know, Grand Central for alligators, right? And then you go up. And uh, and you see it in Georgia, plenty of alligators, yep. parts of eastern Texas, there are alligators, southeastern Texas, there are alligators. But right around like the Carolinas, it starts to stop, right? Like you, the, the range slows down. But I ask, I, I, this is a real question. We probably have it. Uh, there must be a zone yeah. where you think, oh, I'll just go swimming in my lake house because there's like, there's no gators up here. But actually, you know, I mean, I think like like maybe... 
part of South Carolina or part of North Carolina. Like there have to be places where you think you're in the safe zone and you're going to go splashing around in the pond. But maybe you got a gator that's you know got a fleece, got a vest on or something. He well, can handle the cold. It's a great point, and also Florida people can get pretty cocky because you know you'll be out on your boat, you'll be out jet skiing, you'll be out. They're not as afraid of alligators as I would say a lot of people elsewhere are. And the other aspect of this is that that is such a good point because there are places like Memphis. For instance, has alligators. I was going to say, I just checked. Folks in Tennessee, you think you're all safe in Tennessee in Clay's home state. There are alligators in Tennessee, but not many. There are now some around Memphis. And if you're in North Alabama, uh, I believe, like around the Huntsville area, where the Tennessee River, there's, there's certain places where there are a few alligators there. It definitely seems unfair. That you would, you know, go jump in a lake in Memphis and suddenly right. you should, see an you alligator. Should be safe you from should alligators. be safe from alligators. But then, there. you know, I mean, there was a, uh, there was one. I mean, it's a total like the odds of this are one in a million. You know, there was a great white, a great white shark attack, a fatal one, up off the islands of Maine that happened well, a few years ago. So there's a, sometimes things, crazy things happen. There's a great uh, shark attack book. Um, about I think it was like in the 1920s, and it's part of what inspired Jaws. A oh, great Matawan Creek. I know. Oh, dude, I could see. We can talk about Matawan Creek all but the time. That, Three that, attacks in a few days. I think it was a bull shark. 1911, maybe. I think it was. This 14? is like way off the coast, right? Somebody's seven just, miles inland. Seven miles inland. You just jump into a freshwater creek and you get killed by a shark. 1916 off in the Jersey Shore there was a brackish creek connecting to the ocean. It was 1916. That's a great and- book. What's the name of the book that they wrote about this? It, they think it was one shark that killed tons of people because at the time and it goes all into the history. Close to shore, the terrifying shark attacks of 1916. Is that the one? I read I, I maybe the book. I I read a fantastic one about the, this this particular shark attack where they think it was one Ooh, shark. There's one called I survived the shark attacks. Well, that's for kids oh whoops sorry. Uh, the, and the i survived books are actually my my boys really liked the i survived uh shark attack books but if you want one to scare you uh as we're coming in now to the holiday season to uh with memorial day weekend and people typically going out to the beaches for the first time uh, i'll look up during commercial break and see if i can find the exact title of that book uh but it is really well done because it dives into buck for a long time people didn't know whether sharks were dangerous right like they they didn't have like a good sense for because remember it wasn't that long ago people didn't used to go into the ocean as leisure right like oh you're just going to go swim uh in the ocean like that wasn't something that was very popular in the 1700s and the 1800s and everything else it's only the beach as leisure that has really kind of taken off in the last hundred years in many ways yes so it's a fascinating kind of portrayal about the way that Americans decide to spend their time and uh, and what the dangers are uh, associated with it. So put it on the radar. I'll look it up. I'll share it with you if you want a fun book that will also terrify you, uh, because I've been arguing for a while, Buck. I think it's true. The most influential movie ever made in terms of changing everybody's behavior was Jaws. Because I don't, I don't think there's a single one of you out there that will go into the water now and not think about getting eaten by a shark, even though the odds are virtually zero. And you might have done it before uh, Jaws was yeah, made. But, you know, that guy who went to the pond probably thought the odds were zero, too, buddy. You never know. Yeah, be careful. Stand in line for the bathroom this weekend. You might lose your arm otherwise. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you look at the VIP email box and the phone lines, we're talking about when animals attack and people get fired up, a lot of opinions, a lot of people want to weigh in, a lot of stuff uh, coming in at us uh, about all of that. And we have a uh, Dr. John in Birmingham, Alabama, who is a heart surgeon has a story he wanted to share with us. Dr. John, welcome, sir. Hey, my friends. Love your show. Thank Appreciate you. that. Yeah, I'll give you a brief. I just heard I happened to be here in your show. I came home to eat between cases. My wife listens to y'all. And when I was doing my general surgery training in Mobile, Alabama, back in 1982 to 87, I was a chief resident on trauma in the emergency room. And we got a call from Andalusia, Alabama. Andalusia, you know, on the way to the beach to death. Oh yeah, I've driven. I've got. By the way, I have paid. I might have paid for the Andalusia Elementary School to be built with all the speeding tickets that they give you. For those of you who've ever driven through Andalusia, it is speeding ticket well, the capital through, of America. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the speed trap of the world. And if you've gone through Wing and Baker, Alabama, you went past this lake. You just never saw it. But. This guy was uh, riding his bicycle, older man. He had his Labrador Retriever with him, and there was that lake. And it was in the summer. He got off his bike. It was hot. He jumped in the lake. Dog got in with him, but 
next thing he knew, he was being pulled under. He didn't know what it was, but what he got, he got pulled under by an alligator. He grabbed him at the shoulder and tore his right arm off at the shoulder. And the only reason he survived was because, you know, the alligators kill you by drowning you first, then they eat you. Well, he surfaced because his arm was off, so he was able to get up. Luckily, there were two fishermen out in the lake heard him screaming. By the time they got to him, of course, he was in hemorrhagic shock. But they got him to the shore. They took him to a little hospital in Andalusia, Alabama, which one of my buddies that I trained with was running the emergency room that day. They saw him kind of sewed off the heart of the brachial artery and brachial vein, all that in his shoulder, tied all that off, dressed it, then sent him to us in Mobile at the University of South Alabama. So I was running the emergency room that day. He comes in, and basically we resuscitated him, got him well. The general orthopedic surgeons took him in over a period of days, cleaned his arm up, finally closed the, the wound, and he finally was discharged. They went back in that lake and started looking for the alligator, and they found it, and they gutted the alligator and found that guy's arm in there. But the cool thing that, that years later, when I was already in practice as a heart surgeon here in Birmingham, which I have been for 34 years, I was going through the grocery store. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Guidepost magazine. I don't know if you've ever y'all ever kept up with that. But it was like a little Christian magazine. And I just happened to call the caption on it that said, Eat, arm eaten by an alligator. And that was that guy from back in the 1987. And I tracked him down by phone. He still lives in Andalusia, Alabama. So that's just a quick story, something that may, you know, I just thought it was interesting when I heard y'all. Have that. you ever yeah. seen that before? I mean, I, I don't imagine no. that down in Mobile y'all get too many. Right, uh, alligator, alligator attack attacks. in Alabama is not a thing you think well, of. Well, we, we got a bunch of snakes. I took care of one of the worst rattlesnake bites. And you know, I gave one guy a logger who was a lumberjack. He got bit by a seven-foot-long eastern oh. diamondback. And he came in in shock. And him, you know, they, they, what that venom does is make you every, it lyses your blood cells and you, your pee blood, your blood doesn't clot. We gave him 119 amps of antivenom oh before he, he, he would have died. And, and we, I, we took care of a lot of snake bites, some sharp bites, a lot of burns, but Nothing like that. I mean, nothing where. And I, to this day, I've still got a pic. I used to carry a camera in my locker back in the day. Of course, I was a Polaroid. But, and I took pictures of all the stuff I saw when I, you know, through all the trauma we took care of back in those days. I've still got a picture of that guy laying on the stretcher with his arm off right there at the shoulder. But he's lucky to be a, a very fortunate the guy. What, was infection a huge concern? I know that people always talk well, about was, if you get bit. It, yeah, but you know they took him, and the first thing they did to just we, you know, we made sure the bleeding was stopped, and then the orthopedic surgeons for three days took him to the operating room every day, washed him out, irrigated the wound, and then finally, once it was clean, <clears throat> pretty clean, they just mobilized the skin and closed it like a stump, like you do on an amputation on the leg, and he finally went home. And like I say, the guy moved back to, and I just happened to see his name on a Guidepost magazine, and I tracked him down and he still lived and we talked and he remembered vaguely about the emergency experience is the dog okay by the way producer Allie is asking was the the dog did not get injured the dog was barking and that's the only reason that those guys that were fishing in the lake hurting because the dog was barking of course when they got over there all they saw was just blood in the water and blood on the shore then they saw him 
but he was in shock. You know, his blood pressure was about. Well, Doctor John, I'm sure that I'm sure he appreciates that you helped uh, get him patched up and and save his life. Doctor John from Alabama, thank you. I got a heck of a story. Heck of a story. Scary, but this is what I mean. You're in Alabama. If I were in Alabama, and so hey, if you want to go, you want to go splash around the pond. I'd splash around the pond. No, no, well, not anymore. <laughs> well, Andalusia. I mean, I'm not kidding, Buck. Uh, and I bet there are people who have made this drive. If you have ever gone down uh, from you know the Midwest, Nashville, Birmingham, uh, Indianapolis, if you're driving down to the Gulf Coast, there's a good chance you've gone through Andalusia. It is the speeding ticket trap of anywhere in America. Now, now, when you say that, does that mean that even if you're only... To me, if if if, any, if you get pulled over and you're going, you know, within 10 miles an hour of the limit, like, that's, that's a little oh, too tight. Well, and it's one of those places, Buck, where, and I know you guys out there know this, and some of you are probably, like, looking down at your, at your uh, speedometer right now because you're like, oh, I'm, Clay's mentioning it. They will change the speed limit Oh, by multiple like, times, oh, to, yeah. you know, but like it'll go. You're rolling along 55. You know, it's a back road in Andalusia. Suddenly, it's 35, right? Like, and out of nowhere, and you really haven't changed anything, and the cops are just sitting right there, just waiting to pull you over. And I'm joking about it, but I got hit in Andalusia. I mean, I'm not kidding. I think I built their elementary school. Uh, it was like every year I'd drive down to uh, to the Destin, you know, uh, Panama City Beach, 30A area, Florida Gulf Coast, and you get down to what they call L.A., Lower Alabama, uh, and I bet we got people who listen down there. And so this is Southern Alabama where you're getting into Andalusia, Buck. But I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't think, you know, the guy just hops in the lake. I, I, I'm sure he didn't think that he was going to suddenly get attacked by, by an alligator, you know, just out for a uh, jog. You know, I thought when the... The doc was telling us the story there. Sometimes these alligators will come running out and grab dogs. Like we saw that that video, unfortunately, of that senior citizen, that woman who was out walking like I think a cocker spaniel, a poodle, whatever, and the alligator came and grabbed the poodle, and then they end up grabbing the person, too, uh, associated with that. But, man. Um, that that area, that area of Alabama is the all time speed uh, speed capital. Um, nice people, but man, they they will they uh, maybe have, some of those cops listening right now. You have right not now. done a lot for the tourism bureau of Andalusia today, if I may say so. Speeding tickets and alligator attacks, sir. Uh, that, I I used to get speeding tickets everywhere, um, and uh, and I really got popped a lot down in on the drive to so, Destin. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.